Welcome to Unseen First with Tracy Eldridge, powered by Rapid SOS. As a trusted public safety data partner and creators of the world's first emergency response data platform, Rapid SOS is sharing critical data with 911 to help first responders like myself get the information we need to save lives and property. To learn how you can become Rapid SOS ready and better protect the ones you love, visit rapidsos.com today. Now on with the show. I'm your host, Tracy Eldridge. I am wicked excited to highlight the latest and greatest must-have technology tools and mental health resources for public safety. Currently, I am the Public Safety Community Engagement Manager at Rapid SOS. With 24 years in public safety, I am truly honored to bring you entertaining, educational, and empowering conversations with public safety difference makers who are harnessing the power of new technology out-of-the-box thinking, and mental health support services to save lives on both sides of the call. I am beyond excited for my guest today. I'm not sure if it is Take Your Kid to Work Day officially, but I'm going to totally do just that. Uh, My guest today is my 17-year-old daughter, Lauren, and we are going to start off our conversation about what it means to be a servant leader at, at just 17 years old and a captain in her Fire and EMS Explorer post. Uh, Lauren is already proving to be a servant leader. We are also going to talk about what it was like growing up in a home with not one, but two first responder parents, one of which who was diagnosed with and treated for PTSD. Um, spoiler alert. That was me. I was the parent with PTSD, but uh, very excited to have this conversation with Lauren because we think it's so important. So help me welcome my daughter, Lauren. So welcome, Lauren. Are you excited to be here? Yeah, totally. You don't sound too convincing. Uh, I don't like talking. (laughs) (laughs) So are you not your mother's daughter? Mm. Because you know I like to talk. I do know you like to talk, but I'm not. <laughs> okay. All right. So my audience is very excited to hear from you on a few topics. Oh, really? Yeah. Are you ready to give them uh, some, some very important information that they can take into their 911 centers? Sure. All right. So um, in the intro, I explained that you're my daughter and you are 17 years old. Yep. And... There are lots of things that you have done in your very short time here on Earth. Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Um, Well, I am a senior in high school now, which is crazy. Time flies. That is crazy. Um, I go to a vocational school. I'm in welding in the metal fab shop there. Okay. And I'm... uh, captain explorer for my junior firefighting class which is pretty awesome yeah i like to think <laughs> and i'm hopefully going for chief soon what about girl scouts weren't you weren't oh, you yeah. a girl scout how do you oh, forget yeah. about your girl scouts um it's just, uh, probably because we haven't had a meeting in a while because of mm. this whole thing that's going on but um yeah i've been a girl scout for like 12 years 12 ever years since kindergarten <laughs> Yep. Or as I say, kindergarten. Yeah. And that stresses you out, right? Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's kindergarten. <laughs> so 
there's a couple of reasons why I wanted to bring you on to my podcast because I know that there are a lot of things that you do in your life um, that can be useful in the 911 space or any type of <clears throat> public safety um, kind of environment when it comes to leadership. And I think the first thing that I want to talk to you about um, is leadership and the importance of being a good leader. So you mentioned that you are a captain um, in your Fire and EMS Explorer post, which you've been in for how many years now? Uh, four. So you're going well, this into... Is, this, I'm going into my fourth you're year. You're going into your fourth year. So um, I'm going to assume you want to be in the fire service yeah. in some way? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What do you want to do? Um, well, really... I see myself in the future, like, working from home, like, having my own little welding shop, and then going on calls if I need to. So not necessarily, like, a full-time fire gig, but more or less, like, a... I could do, like, part-time. Yeah. But like we Like we do here? Yeah. So we're going to talk about what it was like to be a first responder's child and (laughs) and what life was like when the tone went off and and you just kind of go and and you still want to do that for yourself? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, So you want to be a a full-time welder. You want to have your own business, which is is really cool, and that, you know, shows that you have drive. Um, But one of the things that I want to focus on is I have watched you grow over the last four years or three years in your Explorer and EMS program. Um, And you very quickly moved up the ranks. Uh, You put the time in, you, you put the work in. But what I noticed kind of, you know, not, not only as your mom, but as one of the instructors, I noticed that you provide what is called servant leadership. Do you know what that is? Kind of. Yeah. What do you think it is? Um, it's pretty much being a leader, but it's also being part of the team and helping others as you lead them. Okay. So like, instead of saying, oh, you have to do this, you have to do that. You say, oh, we have to get this accomplished and I'll help you with it. Like, I'll help you do this. I'll help you do that. That's pretty much what I think it's it, that, that it is. Yeah, and that's truly, that's truly a piece of it. So I'm going to break out leadership into two compartments. First, servant leadership and then traditional leadership. Um, because when I look back a long time ago, you know, early in my life and in my career... Um, I was definitely exposed to a lot of what I call traditional leadership, where the leader um, sat very high above everybody else versus, as as you described, kind of being equal to others. Um, One of, uh, a friend of mine had pointed out one time in in one of his Facebook posts, and and he definitely is a servant leader as well, Hey Kent, <laughs> and uh, but one of the things that he said is is that he is he works for his team. His team does not work for him. So would you consider that to be servant leadership? Yeah, yeah, definitely, absolutely. So I've seen you over the years be a servant leader. I've seen you be supportive. 
of the folks that are on your team in Explorers. And I see that in your everyday life. Um, and I'm very proud of that, by the way. Oh, but what I want to know is why do you think it's important to be a servant leader versus a traditional leader? Um, well, if you're a servant leader, then you, you have a lot better connection with the people you're working with. Mm -hmm. And when you're just a traditional leader, it's just, oh yeah, he's my boss or something like that. Like, right. I don't really connect with him. Like, so you, so you, you, I don't want to be his friend. I don't want to choose to be his friend, but for servant leaders, it's like, oh yeah, I want that person to be my friend. Nice. So you think that it's important to have a personal connection oh, with yes. the folks that, oh, yeah. that are around you. So I think one of the things that is extremely challenging is as a, as a youngster, not understanding the difference between servant leadership and traditional leadership and kind of being molded into um, this type of leader that is more of a dictatorship than a team approach. Uh -huh. Would you agree? Yeah. So one of the things that I do on my podcast here is I like to search for a perfect quote for my guest that just kind of sums them up. Um, and I chose this one for you. And then I want you to tell me what you think about that quote. So the quote that I picked for you is, leadership is a series of behaviors rather than a role for heroes. So what do you think about that quote and why I might have picked it for you? Um, well, that makes sense to me because I don't really see myself as a hero just because I'm a leader. Um, I also, I also know if that I treat people well, I will eventually be surrounded by heroes. Well, that's pretty profound. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> You're such a goof. I know. <laughs> okay. um, so one of the things that uh, gets left out of public safety is how this type of lifestyle, whether it's 911 or police, fire, EMS, and how it affects our children. Um, so you said it was awesome because you got to ride on fire trucks and all that. Mm -hmm. um, what else were some of the cool things that, that you loved about being a first responders kid? Pretty much the fire trucks and just, being able to just hang around all the guys yeah. Because, like, now they're all, like, my older brothers and my, kind of my dad. <laughs> like, it's just, like, our relationships have just grown that close. And, like, I know that they would, like, do anything for me. Yeah. And, I don't know, it's just a great feeling to have. Like, okay. you have that many people. So you know that you could call on them at any time. Oh, yeah. and And they're constantly picking mm -hmm. on you like you're the annoying little sister. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So. I've spent a few times in trash cans. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course. Um, and then I'm sure there's times that it wasn't so awesome to be a firefighter or a first responders kid, especially one that is basically on call 24-7 where, you know, we would be having – you know, Christmas dinner and the tone would go off and then out the door, 
we go or one of us goes like not to be seen for another three hours <laughs> <laughs> and then well like kind of what did what did that do like how how did how did it make you feel when you knew that it was Christmas morning and your dad was out on the ice saving a deer for two hours I mean I wasn't that sad um I mean it was kind of upsetting when I, when me and my sister ran down and we tried to wake you up and you were the only one there. <laughs> and I was like, oh, where'd dad go? And you're like, oh, he's on a call. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that sucks. So a lot of times he was on a call or I was on a call or, mm-hmm. you know, I would get that call in the middle of the night and have to go back to the dispatch center and... You know, so things are challenging, right? Mm-hmm. So so what are some of the other challenging things that you saw as a child of a first responder? Um, sometimes, sometimes I wouldn't be, like, be able to stay at home. Yeah. Like, dad would get a call, you'd be at work, and he'd throw me over to grandma's house <laughs> through the woods, <laughs> and I'd stay there until, like two o'clock in the morning and then dad would come pick me up and he'd be like I'm sorry (laughs) that took a while but you knew he was doing good things right yeah I knew I knew I knew and I mean that's his job like that's what he does right right that's the only thing I've ever known from him yeah yeah so um so one of the challenges that obviously you know that uh, comes with public safety and you know that I've been extremely vocal of it is I want to talk a little bit about the challenges of having a parent, not only that is a first responder, but a parent that has been diagnosed with PTSD. So, you know, you're, you're 17 years old. Um, it's been about three years since I got officially diagnosed. I I knew that there were some things that were going on before, but um, let's talk a little bit about what life was like before the diagnosis, before I left the 911 center. Before you left, you would come home. You, after, after you were diagnosed, you were a lot more open Mm -hmm. than before because pretty much when you would come home from work you would just close yourself off from literally anybody in the house yeah and sometimes get mad for no reason like just start yelling at people <laughs> like, we can la- we can laugh about it now no, but i know but i, I, but I but know in the that moment it was-, it was like really upsetting yeah yeah so if there was something that you could tell because I'll, I'll tell you i, sh- I share a story when I share my PTSD story I talk about times where you would you know be so excited to come tell me something as soon as I walked in the door and I would turn around and kind of snap at you and um I just there was one time that you came you came running up to me and you were so excited to share something with me and sadly I don't even remember what it was because I had kind of yelled and and said just give me five minutes right like I just need five minutes so chances are I I had a bad day at work but as a child of a 911 director did you understand that there were things that would have happened at work that could have caused, you know, a really bad day and and 
for me or for dad or, you know, for any public safety parent to just kind of need some time to disconnect. Did you understand the magnitude of the job that we were doing every day? Well, at the time I was really little and now I obviously get it. Yeah. But before I could, I could understand that you guys had bad days at work. Mm -hmm. Everybody has bad days at work. But, like, I didn't realize the magnitude of the bad days. Like, you could, for instance, you could have been listening to, like, someone actually dying over the phone and you couldn't do anything about it. Like, that stuff hits hard. Yeah, like, it does. And for you to know that, like, I think that's that's really, you know, impressive, especially at your age. But you have been exposed to to public safety for for so very long um so what are some of the other things that you recall before me realizing that there was really a problem and that I needed to um to get help and that it was time for me to leave the 911 center um I remember there was one specific day you came home bawling your eyes out and you were like, I'm leaving, I'm done. And dad was just like, do it, just do it. Cause none of us can take it anymore. (laughs) You would come home and you'd be so upset. And like, sometimes it almost felt like I didn't have a mom. Cause like, you'd just be so depressed about this one thing. Mm -hmm. And just cause one jerk was like, hey, being a jerk. Being a jerk. I'm going to be a jerk to you because I don't like you. But, like, you're really good at your job, but I'm just going to be mean to you. I even, when I was younger, I even, like, thought, to, this one jerk is, like, ripping me and my mom apart. I would st- I would stay up at night and I would just cry because, like, I felt so bad for you and then I felt bad for myself because, like, it really didn't feel like I had a mom. Like... Well, I'm sorry about that. No, it's fine now because it's all it's better. Yeah. Well, it is much better, and and we are gonna we are gonna talk about that. Um, but I think, I think it's important for folks to hear that, you know, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. And I remember when I first told you, and I don't I don't know if you know this, um, but. You know, there are times that things were so very difficult for me that there were not good thoughts that had gone through through my head. Um, and I didn't feel worthy of the life that I had and that I was given. And I felt at times that I was better off not being here. Um, but my family is so very important to me and and that's what I was fighting for I was fighting to make sure that my family knew that I truly loved them because that's not who I was my entire life right like you don't remember who I was before the things that happened at work happened at work um but you 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 were too young and but when it got to the place where I knew that it was affecting you and my relationship with you and I knew how important it was to to get the help do you remember what you thought or what you felt or 
how you understood when I finally got to a place where I explained to you what was happening to me and, and what PTSD was and that I needed help? Um, we cried a lot. Mm-hmm. As a family, right? Yeah. Because that was important that we, we sat down as a family and I finally shared with you and your sister, you know, what was happening. Dad obviously knew and, and he was amazing through the whole journey and supported me 100%, but... That's dad. <laughs> he does that, right? Yeah, he does he's that. he's he's the he's the best guy, and and I I thank God every day for him. Um, but if somebody who is a parent um, that is listening and they know they're struggling, they've either been diagnosed or they they have a feeling that they have PTSD, um, and they haven't told their kids, they haven't told their family. What would you say to them? Just talk to your kids. That's all you have to do. I get that it's hard, but it's also hard for us because mm-hmm. we have no idea what's going on. Sometimes we even think that we're doing something wrong. And it's a horrible feeling. It really is. But once you talk about it and clear everything up, it's so much better. Like, everybody is so much better off. That's what I think. So I got to a place where after I told you, and thank you for sharing that because um, I think there's a lot of folks out there that are very scared to share um, because they, they don't want their child to think they're weak or, you know, that they, they're not. Because when you look at your parents, they're supposed to be able to handle everything, right? And you saw me at some pretty weak times in my life um but you also saw the work and the hard work that I put into getting the help that I needed and I feel like it was very important for me to explain to you that you know you made reference before that I would get mad at little things right Mm -hmm. what was the difference between in your mind where I was getting mad at little things and knowing now that those little things weren't actually little things, that there were potential triggers that were sitting behind these little things that brought me back to really unhealthy places. I would understand that after you told me, after you talked to me before, I would have no idea what I was doing wrong. Like I could be doing something and you'd be like, hey, can you stop that please? And then I'd keep doing it because like I'm wicked ADHD <laughs> and I'll just keep doing it. Okay, you get that from me. Yeah. <laughs> and then so, I just get like really upset because I'm like, dude, what did I do wrong? So so you're referring to some of the sensory issues. Those too. That yeah. I was having. Like tapping. could it, tapping and repetitive noises repetitive noises loud noises loud noises yeah smells like oversensitive senses oversensitive and, to everything okay. everything and anything okay yeah I, I i i will give you i will give you that um anxious right like all the time one of the things that I just recall is you asking me if you could ride your bike to grandma's and what was my reply to you when you wanted to do anything that you could potentially get hurt doing? Uh, no. 
And then I'd ask why, and you'd say, because. And that was the end of the conversation. So here I am. You're thinking that I am, you know. The worst. (laughs) The worst parent. But because of the job that I did, you truly learned that when I said no, more often than not, there was a reason. And then do you remember what you gave me for Christmas that year? Oh, yeah. I gave I I had broken your mug that dad got you like when you first started dating and I felt awful about it and then that Christmas I got you a mug that said Mrs. Always Right and before you opened it I was like ma you can't be mad at me (laughs) and you just like gave me a look like because it's pretty accurate yeah it it was it was definitely accurate but then on the flip side um that was just normal life right so that's a funny story about kind of normal life but then it got to a place where I was what I considered the fun sucker, like yelling at you to not jump on the trampoline. And Selling my trampoline. Right, because of <laughs> the fear that I had that you were going to get hurt. Running. Running across the boardwalk. Running anywhere. Um, fast movements. Riding so a riding a bike out on the street. Like in my mind, you, I was convinced that something – bad was going to happen to you so now let's fast forward I got treatment I I did a couple of different things I went to a program in Sedona Arizona I explained to you you know that I needed to leave and I needed to get help I left the 9-1 center which was extremely difficult but then um as time went on the symptoms the nightmares everything just kept getting worse and worse and I didn't even feel like myself and I learned about EMDR eye movement desensitization reprocessing and I started that treatment and I'm just curious in your words what is the difference between who I was before I started that treatment and who I was after and who I am today you know how um, I was trying to think of like a Disney character to compare it to, like an, like an evil person, but I just couldn't. Um, Ursula. Ross. Yeah. Hold on. No, 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 no. Ursula. She was like all ugly and bad. I mean, she was bad throughout the whole movie, but she was ugly and bad before she got Ariel's voice. And afterwards, she was, like, this beautiful, smoking hot babe. And (laughs) it's just, like, that's pretty much you, but, like, you weren't evil afterwards. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think think so. I I think I get it. Before you were, were like, I don't want to talk to you. I'm just going to keep all my feelings to myself. And then after your treatment... Ariel's voice you were all beautiful and happy and yay it's great (laughs) well I love the way that you put that in in true childhood terms as I'm wearing stitch socks (laughs) yes of course of course um, if there's anything that you could tell folks that are listening um, about the importance of just doing the right thing because I'll tell you, kid, you're doing things right. And and I'm not just saying that because you're my daughter. You, yeah, you have to because you're my daughter. <laughs> no, um, 
you know, we got a text message from, from one of our friends the other day, and I don't know if you know this, Mr. Amato texted and said, hey, Lauren stopped by to check on me, you know, out of the blue. Um, again, that servant leadership, caring about other people, putting other people first, that is truly who you are. And I wish that we could bottle it up and sell it um, or even just give it away, right? To just get folks to understand the importance of caring for others and, and kind of being a servant leader. What What is something that you could leave with folks to understand the importance of treating people right? Because you saw what happened to me when my bosses didn't treat me right. Um, it affected me, it affected you, your sister, your dad. It affected everything in our life for a period of time. It affected everyone and everything. I'd say if you're going through anything like this, anything like PTSD, just talk to someone. That's all you have to do is just talk to someone. Mm-hmm. Because I know people that have issues, like mental health issues, and they don't talk to anyone. Because they're like, no, I don't, I don't want to talk about it with anyone because I'm not an open person. And I'm like, listen, I'm not an open person either, but if I have something going on like that, I'm going to talk to someone. Because I don't want to be alone. And it's just, I feel like it's a great feeling when you actually get to talk to that person and clear everything up because you'd be so much better off and you 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 obviously are like a lot better off now (laughs) (laughs) yes yes and you know I know that you as a 17 year old have been exposed you you've already been exposed to some some challenging things so so not only do you have parents that are in public safety but you know, you yourself have witnessed some things that, you know, not even in the public safety world, like it's not even like we're bringing you into to that world, that world has brought you, um, has been brought into your world kind of unexpectedly, right? So um, recently, there was a, a group of bike riders that had stopped at the end of our driveway as we were leaving to go to the store and as soon as I came to the end of the driveway my my brain immediately flashed back to something uh, that happened oh mine did too like instantly I was like not doing this today (laughs) not happening okay so and and that's kind of the point that I'm trying to make is so probably seven years ago maybe I was in third grade third grade okay so you eight yeah you you were eight years old and you and dad were going to school and it was me and you we were waiting for the bus no I wasn't there I took the 911 call oh dad was with you oh oh I thought it was you because dad jumped out of the truck right yeah so to not get into too much detail um, there was, you know, a, a friend of ours who was riding his bicycle and at the end of our driveway, he had a medical emergency and went into cardiac arrest. And at eight years old, you watch that 
and and dad jumped out and did his thing and and then you know he the ambulance transported and and uh and then you, you just went to school and and i remember I not just go to school mom <laughs> bawling with my, my eyes, eyes out because i love a funny so story and my science teacher in like all throughout elementary school i loved him i loved him so much and i thought it was him because he wore that same outfit and rode his bike to school every day in the spring yeah in the fall i think and i thought it was him and i was just sitting in the car sitting in the truck bawling my eyes out because i'm like oh my gosh that's my teacher and then i went to school i was still crying and one of the teachers was like why are you crying and i told them and i was like my teacher just died at the end of my driveway because like i didn't know what happened afterwards and she was like you mean him and she pointed down the hallway and here he comes just waltzing down the hallway then i gotta call it work <laughs> saying oh you're asking what happened <laughs> um but you were eight years old when that happened and the other day just the other day right you're that was you were eight years old and, and now you're 17 and you and i were heading to the store and as you know, we're pulling down towards the end of the driveway. There's a group of people on bicycles at the end of the driveway. Just stop. And I know where my mind went because I was in the 911 center. Um, and then I visualized it, right? Like when I was in the 911 center, one of the things that a lot of folks don't realize is, you know, there's there's a saying that, that my sweet friend Carol had said in one of my classes. She said, 911 dispatchers, their ears see things that their brain will never forget. Does that make sense? Yeah. So my ears will see things that my brain will never forget. And when I drove down the end of the driveway a couple weeks ago and there's like three people standing at the end of the driveway and like one of their bikes, it you know, was... Tipped over. Tipped, it, it, it was tipped like over le- they had a, like a water break. Yeah, so they, so they laid their bike down. But the first thing I'm visualizing is the visualization of what I saw in my head. And do you remember what I said to you? You were like, does this ring any bells? And I'm like, yeah, it does. <laughs> and I was like starting to get a little creeped out. but Right. And, and I think that story is really important because when you look at being eight years old and that incident happening, and then you fast forward all those years later, and you still remember it like it was yesterday. And you still remember it like it was yesterday. I think that's one of the biggest challenges that folks have with PTSD is that they don't truly understand how our past lives can come up to the surface with just a sight, a smell, a sound, and things like that. And and I know we, Dad and I, have been very, you know, vocal with you and all the explorers in your explorer class about making sure you're taking care of yourselves and your mental health. Um, so, you know, I thought that was very important to share with folks because that's, one, the story of being, you know, kind of a first responder's kid, but also being exposed to something and then it surfacing at another time later, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So I guess it's that time to go ahead and wrap it up. Um, I just want to first, Lauren, say thank you for joining me today. Um, I know that these conversations are not easy and they can be challenging, but I want you to know that I know you're making a difference. So I don't think you'll ever know the magnitude of the people that you are going to touch and help by recording this with me. So I just want to say thank you and tell you I appreciate you. I love you. I love you too, baby girl. (laughs) Go to bed. Thank you for listening. Make sure you join us next time for another episode of entertaining, educational, and empowering interviews with public safety difference makers. Please like and follow my Facebook and LinkedIn pages On Scene First with Tracy Eldridge so you too can keep up with my shenanigans. Thank you, heroes. From the bottom of my blessed heart, stay safe, stay strong, and stay here. We need you. For more information on Rapid SOS and how you can get connected to the world's first emergency response data platform and better prepare and protect your family and communities, visit rapidsos.com and tell them Tracy sent you.
I love you. I love you too, baby girl. <laughs> Bye, sweetheart. Bye.